rolling. Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 1021, Feb 15, 2023. Woo hoo They hit 63 degrees on this day in 1921. Oh. And it was 25 below on this day in 1875. Those pioneers had some cold weather. Yeah. They did, they did. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Chris Reavers manning Technology Corner, Kenny Olson from the Krabby Coffee Shop, John Hyde in the newsroom, and of course, the rookie. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and the keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Sushir. I said yesterday I don't like the word woke. Mm-hmm. I want a replacement word. <clears throat> How about uh, broke? And a guy named Michael Price took a shot at it. He did some thinking, and that got me thinking based on what he did. He came up with some ideas, conceptually challenged, idyllically stunted, perpetually dormant, social justice confusion, the newly aware, and on and on and on. And I appreciate his efforts. But uh, and uh, all of his uh, efforts suggest either the word aware or enlightened or informed. Yeah, they're not. And and you know what? The they're not. They're the mm. opposite of that. There, there's nothing enlightened about wokeism. Young and dumb is how I've been referring to them. There's nothing enlightened. Uh, there's nothing uh, about wokeism that would suggest awareness of anything. Right. Uh. So we're back to square one. Oh, oh, oh and he said uh, arrogantly enlightened. Well, they're arrogant, but they're not enlightened. So the the search continues. Arrogant stupidity. That that well, that's that's more accurate. That's but, technically accurate. But that has to be a definition of a, another word. What if we just search arrogant stupidity? What do we get? Uh, he said, on closing thought, after reading the definition and background on Wikipedia and a few other articles, it seems to me that it's a glaring example of society devolving. Conceptually, the term as an artistic idea used by singers in slang like fashion is fine, but to substitute in place of plain English seems like one more step in the direction of words not holding their given meanings while leaning too heavily on slang to fill the void of what otherwise used to be well-developed vocabularies. As a result, even the definition of woke is a moving target and can carry several meanings depending on who is, who is using it and how. It's simply not a word with a relatively fixed meaning. Now that it's the most, uh, now that it's the most academic source, but to underscore uh, my point, look at the variation of the definition on Urban Dictionary. Well, I, I don't want to. Uh, okay. Well, I've just set that aside. I appreciate I love... Mike's efforts, but what he alerts me to is the idea that, no, these people are not aware. They're not enlightened. They're not enhanced. Uh, they're delusionary. Enhanced delusion? No. Odious imbeciles? I love the word odious. How about intellectual I- imbeciles? How about just imbeciles? Yeah. I like this project. I, I, I really thought you'd come. I really thought you'd come here today with um, this nailed down. No, because as I began to nail it down, 
with the helps of the like of, of Price, it began to occur to me that we're describing the, the very opposite of what these warriors think it means. Well, Joe, uh, I said it yesterday. I'll say it again today. You nailed it 100 years ago when you started calling them euphorians. Let's just go with euphorians. Because then. that's what they are. They're ignorant euphorians. But euphoria suggests, can, can also, Bliss. well, yes, can suggest pleasantry. It can suggest happiness. Uh, these are unhappy people. They're mean-spirited. They uh, are dark. Okay, so we need a word, a $5 word for idiot. Yeah, we need a $5 word hmm. for idiot. And we can tack it on the front of euphorians. Because idiot make uh, people find us too easy to be dismissive of if we just toss around words like idiot, idiot. and moron, which I right. do all the time. Right. Well, usually it's in reference to us. Right. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Let, let's get right to it because, hi, my name is Joe Sushir. I'm the mayor of a fake town. I'm also your uh, fireworks commissioner and your flashlight kid. <laughs> all right. And uh, there are days when I get very despondent and I say to myself, Joe... Joe. Where are we going with this? Where are we headed? What can we accomplish? Uh, Ooh, I like blockhead. I'm looking at synonyms for idiot right now. Blockheads. Blockhead. Okay, and and I uh, and every day, what what saves me is there's something new to be aghast about. <laughs> Just aghast. <laughs> aghast. And today it's uh, uh, Dave Osmick who. Uh, withdrew from the uh, Senate. He's yep. now back as a private citizen. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. We needed him there. He sent me uh, a, a bill from the Office of the Reviser of Statutes. It's a proposed bill. It's House File 1715. And I looked up the authors. The authors are a guy named Jerry Newton. Uh, he's a House member. He lives up Coon Rapids Way. And Heather Edelson who's a House member, she, she's an Edina rep. And uh, we spent considerable time on this. John Height pitched in. Uh, I had Reavers working on it because I, I wanted to, I was praying. I was praying that this oh. wasn't real. But, <laughs> but it is real. Yeah. Uh, House File 17 relating to environment, prohibiting the sale of non-electric powered lawn and garden equipment. Proposing coding for new law in Minnesota statutes on or oh. after January 1, 2025. Oh, my God. New lawn and garden equipment sold, offered for sale, or distributed in or into Minnesota must be powered solely by electricity. Mm. For the purposes of this section, the following items have the meanings given. Lawn and garden equipment means any of the following types of equipment powered by a spark ignition engine rated at or below 19 kilowatts or 25 gross horsepower, lawnmower, leaf blower, hedge clipper, chainsaw, lawn edger, string trimmer, brush cutter, and spark ignition engine means an internal combustion engine in which the air-fuel mixture is ignited by a spark. Geez, thank you for pointing out wow, how that's that works. Nice. <laughs> this section is effective the day following final enactment. And uh, John Height tried to reach both Jerry Newton and Heather Edelson. And John, tell us your story. I called uh, Jerry Newton and got a wrong number at that point. I called Height because I had to move on to other things. 
But uh, tell us your story, Mr. Newsman. Uh, Jerry, uh, he was a former member of the Senate, now is in the House because there's a new district up here in the Coon Rapids-Andover area. Mm -hmm. And I called his new number, and I called it a couple times and didn't get uh, anything but a message. So I tried one more time, and I got his PR flack. All right. And uh, Robin was her name, and uh, she took down who I was. It took her a while to for me to explain everything, and I, I said we just were curious to get uh, Mr. Newton's thoughts on, on this bill. And uh, she said, okay, let me put you on hold. So she uh, put me on hold. She had some problems putting me on hold, strangely enough, but she finally did. And after about two minutes, she came back to the phone, and she said, well, he's not available right now, and he won't be available today. Uh, we don't know that. The but she did say, and this was very weird. You guys all know who Blois Olson is. Sure, uh, sure. Yeah. He's a local uh, political, political commentator. He's a GLer right? too. Yeah. He's is a he GLer. really yep. probably yeah. listening right now? Yeah. Well, he uh, she said, but he did an interview with Blois Olson, so he advised you to go listen to that. Well, and I don't want to. What a freaking lack either. of accountability. I, Go I listen to another interview he did. Well, yeah, first of exactly. all, does Blaise Olson have some means by which I could listen to that? Yes. I'm assuming yes, and I didn't have time. I was still writing news, and it was already close to record time, so I, I moved on. Uh, but I did not see a Blaise So, in other words, this, uh, this wow. uh, Newton fellow might have told his gatekeeper, I don't want to talk to those guys. Tell them I already talked to somebody. Tell them I talked to Blois Olson. If they want to know what I think, they can listen to that. Yes. Is that a safe I, uh, summary? I think that's exactly what happened because I gave her all of the information about Garage Logic, who the host was, who mm. I was. Yeah, well, that screwed us. Way to go. Then she put me on hold for two minutes and came back. Well, see, the, the Newton, so. Newton uh, signing on makes, I really would like to talk to him, it makes no sense. He's 85 years old. Okay. He is. He's a vet. He was a small business operator and ran a grocery store, if not more than one. Okay. Uh, he's been a politician for quite some time. Well, he doesn't sound like the type of uh, character who would have uh, consumed that much Kool-Aid to the point where he doesn't want you to have your lawnmower anymore. Right. It sounds he, like he's he, been around a long time and used to know what America was. If you went to, uh, I went to his uh, re-election page from last year. And he definitely, I would call, pro what I would call progressive. Really? So it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, all of his main issues are ones that we would associate, per not all of them, but a lot of them with things that we think perhaps you should concentrate on other things before you move on to those. But we should explain I mean. to people, too, what John just described is with each passing year, it's getting harder and harder to chip away at the armored guard that the political class has in front of the rest of us. It's all about that third rail, Chris. It, it really is. They, they don't have to answer to us. It's it's hilarious. They they have zero accountability to anybody. Okay, okay. Uh, let's let's keep on pace. John, what about Heather Edelson? Uh, Heather, uh, I did not leave a message. I did get a message. I did notice the House is adjourned for some reason until 3.30 tomorrow afternoon. Well, they probably need a little time off. Uh, right. Yeah, and there was no answer at her phone except a message, and I did not leave a message, unfortunately. Okay, a young Edina mom. That doesn't surprise me. She's, mm -hmm. she's probably reflecting uh, maybe what she believes her constituency to believe. The Newton really throws me. Uh, what I'm, and they don't have a Senate companion author yet. Is that correct? That's correct. It was just those two that are on. <laughs> They're too afraid to take it. Uh, 
Then what we I put Reavers on, and uh, then I began to join him. It's very difficult to nail it down. I would like to. I wanted to establish, for example, how many people are employed in the lawn and garden industry just in the state of Minnesota. Oh and my God! And wow. it's it's too hard to nail down because this kind of callousness expressed by Newton and Ellison. Uh, there's no telling how many people that could put out of work, for example. Mm-hmm. And then we went to Toro, and Toro has how many employees? Toro alone has 10,300 full-time employees, and that's listed on their website. And I know dozens and dozens of guys, many of them become buddies of mine, who are on the lawn service. Yeah. And uh, they've, 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 they've established really successful, strong family businesses. And what are, what's supposed to become of them? And I suppose if you're a young mom for me, Dinah, or you're this old coot, Newton, uh, I guess what, they're, what they would answer is, well, let them go electric. Well, there's a lot of problems with that. Yeah, that, that means let them go out of business is what that means. <laughs> there's a lot of problem yeah. with letting them go electric. Yeah. Chief among them, the products aren't available, nor are they trustworthy nor are they competitive and efficient. The whole point of being in a lawn service is, is speed and the number of, number of clients you have. Mm-hmm. And yes, uh, you in the back. This topic was thoroughly broke down yesterday on the Weekly Scramble. Broken down. Because the, uh, the co-host of that show happens to be part of a large chain of hardware stores. Right, and we called Mike Fratelloni uh, before the show and said, do, do you have a way to statistically identify the numbers involved in the employment in the large, and he doesn't. No. Uh, and, he just uh, said, a lot. <laughs> be fun to talk to Bill or Mark at Tri-State Bobcat, too, and hear what they have to say but after, about those numbers. And after we talked about it at length, when I thought about this further, that's an addition to, um, here's what's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to open up a large chain in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and sell as many gas-powered lawnmowers as I can find, or Hudson, Wisconsin. But if you read this bill, or you listened to this bill as I read it, those items, you could go there and buy them, is what you're thinking, but you could not use them in Minnesota. How are they going to enforce that? There will be the inspector who drives around. (laughs) How, How will he drive around? Very efficiently. Takes me three hours to mow everything up here. Two tanks of gas, zero turn mower, um, five foot deck, um, wide open the whole time. Can you imagine what that three hours is going to turn into? It's going to be a three day project every week. Well, there's a larger sadness here, and that is a the complete disregarding of fact. You running your lawnmower is not hurting the earth. It's just not hurting the earth. Nope. You you cannot demonstrate that it is. And this preposterous childish notion that somehow Minnesota will have different air than the rest of the world is is so beyond the pale of stupidity that I don't know how to classify it. Uh but you have people who make lawnmowers and leaf blowers and hedge clippers and chainsaws and lawn edgers and string trimmers. Well, just take a string trimmer. There's a factory that just makes the trim, the trimmer line. And there's a factory that makes the hardware that accommodates the trimmer. 
and there's plastic mm-hmm. involved, and there's mm-hmm. uh, there's everything. I mean, it's it's on and on and on. And so what what Heather? It's I don't know Heather, and I don't know Newton. So it would be premature for me to say that they don't like people and that they don't like the United States. They <clears throat> they they might very well. Uh, stand proudly on the 4th of July and raise their flag and say the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, we don't know that. But they don't know anything beyond the end of their nose. Yep. Yeah, How but... do they not look around? Does she live, what does she live in a condo with a postage stamp lawn out well, front? I bet she's got a house with a lawn because they got a couple of kids. The, the veteran guy, where, he's from what, Coon Rapids? Yeah. Uh, Coon Rapids, that area? Yeah. How can somebody like that? It's a that, lawn mowing capital of the world. How does he not recognize that this is not doable? Toro is located on Lindale, what, a block south of 494. Mm-hmm. They're in Bloomington. Mm-hmm. Well, they need to stand up and fight. Well, and, and... And they do offer, Joe, they offer battery-powered equipment. But they also recognize that that's for the homeowner with a small lot. Yes. You know, takes you 15 minutes to mow and five minutes to trim. And that's just it, Kenny. What have they removed? My decision-making. It's not up to me anymore. Apparently apparently they've accepted snowblowers. Those are untouchables? Well, that, that tells me something. A, why are you accepting them? And B, do you do? Are you accepting them because you know perfectly well they don't work? And the, if you know they don't work, why are you going to okay an electric chainsaw? Now I happen to have an electric chainsaw. Joe, they're joke, wonderful. I bought it as a yeah. joke. No, they're wonderful for occasional use. For a branch, not yeah, a you're limb. A, yeah. Right, you're a homeowner. Exactly. You've got a hanger. You take care of it. Yeah. It's great. But it, you get a big storm that comes through, an electric chainsaw is not going to get the big fallen tree no, off you your got driveway. Four trees down in your yard, you can throw that thing in the river. Right. That thing's a piece of crap. Right. It's not going to do the job. I told you about one of my walks last winter where I chatted up a, a gal, a lady, who was, I saw her dragging the cord out to the sidewalk, <laughs> and she had her new electric snowblower, and I said, well, how's oh, it work? Nice. And she said, oh, this is going to be, this is the debut. I haven't used it yet. There was a pretty good snowfall, and I went for my walk and came back, and nothing had been accomplished. There, she's huh. still there. Huh? And uh, I said, well, how'd it go? And she said, they don't work. Huh. It's just I couldn't get anything going I here. think you're missing the much larger point here. Hmm. We are, it's what? Oh, it's Feb 15. We're a month and a half into this new year. Right. What the hell is next? Because the Democrats have taken over, right? Yep. They are wasting no time. And what the hell is the continued you know, Californiacation of this state not, is in progress? I, Joe, I think he's on the mark uh, because what they're doing is cramming this BS down our throats while they can. Yeah, they're, they're they can, really exactly. working quickly. How yeah. about how about a wild game in 2025? Well, can I get to that? <laughs> well, good. Same, so I was hoping you would, Joe, because sure. that was my favorite part of the story. Well, the same two people have uh, determined that Zambonis purchased after January 1st, 2025, <laughs> have to be electric. Yep. They're in. That's door. House File 1716. <laughs> Resurfing, resurfacing no. machines sold, offered for sale, or distributed in or into Minnesota. 
must be powered solely by electricity. So that means you can't go to Wisconsin and buy a, a fuel, a, a, an internal combustion-powered, uh, what do they run on anyway? Propane. Propane, yeah. And you can't bring that into Minnesota. Uh, do we use Zambonis in this state? Oh, frequently. Okay. Sure. <laughs> uh, now, I've been looking the at two both Heather. most popular vehicles in the state, right. Ford F-150s and <laughs> Zambonis. <laughs> Sorry, I've John. Been, I've been looking at both Heather and uh, the other fellow's pages, and I think maybe he was dragged into this. Yeah. Because his environmental uh, concerns only involve things like pesticides and that sort of thing. No mm-hmm. climate change, no global warming. Oh, uh, either we, you're on board or you're not kind of thing. Well, no, his doesn't involve any of that. Oh, his. But when you go to her page, she's a member of the Climate Action Caucus. Oh, there you are. Sort of capital. There you are. And uh, they introduced a bold action plan that would invest one billion dollars to address climate change. So I think perhaps she needed a co-sponsor and said, "Hey, uh, come on." She hey, went over on. to Jerry and batted her eyes at him, and he's yep. eighty-five and probably thought, "Gee, somebody's paying attention to me." Yeah, yeah, because his environmental concerns on his pages are not. Uh, have nothing to do with this. Fantastic. Uh, oh, wow. Zamboni has four uh, bases, and I'm not sure where they make them. They're in uh, Calif- Paramount, California, on uh, Brantford, Ontario, St. Laurent, Quebec, mm-hmm. and uh, a city I can't pronounce in Sweden. Mm-hmm. What do you think they're going to say when they learn that the, the, the market in Minnesota is only going to be electric? Are there any available right now? Is, is, Let's uh, do that next, Rook. Are there electric Zambo? Are there electric ice resurfacing oh, sure machines? There. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, there don't are. say you're sure. Find out. In the meantime, I'll tell you that this might be the last summer you're, you'll play golf in the state of Minnesota and hear an actual lawnmower. Holes four, five, and seven haven't been mowed yet, so because you avoid we use those. electric on holes four, <laughs> five, and seven. So good luck finding your ball in the fairway because we got we can't cut it. Uh, get to the Minnesota Golf Show, the 2023 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. It's Friday, Feb 24 through Sunday, Feb 26 at the Minneapolis Convention Center. We'll be there for a 1 p.m. podcast on, is it 1 p.m. or noon? Noon. A noon. noon podcast on Feb 24, Friday. Latest equipment, accessories, golf apparel, great offers from your favorite courses and golf resorts and lessons and equipment. You know the drill. But here's the best part. Tickets are on sale right now for just, for just six, is it six bucks or 12? I what difference does it make? They're, te- they're 12. They're 12. That's nothing. Nothing. Well, here's why it's nothing. You get 14 free rounds from TwinCitiesGolf.com, valued at nearly 500 bucks, when you buy one $12 ticket. Get out. Come on. Huh? Buy your tickets today at minnesotagolfshow.com, presented by Choice Bank, and thanks in part to Nelson Marine, Waggle Golf, X-Golf Minnesota, Lift Bridge Brewing Company, and your select Buick GMC dealers.
In our climate, using seafoam, it's not a luxury, it's a necessity. AGLers Kenny here. It's warm one day, it's frigid the next, fog, rain, snow, freezing drizzle. Seafoam works to fight off the condensation and remove deposits while lubricating the moving parts and preserving engine vapors, making starting easier on the cold days. Nothing worse than a vehicle not starting when it's at or below zero. Seafoam is on our side and a true miracle in a world of bad gas and miserable temperatures. For more tips, Log on to seafoamworks.com. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Souchere. You know, when you're thinking about lawnmowers being banned, you think about your taxes and all of that great work that your tax money goes towards. That's Don't a, you guys think of that? That's the first thing I thought of. That's Every amazing. single time. How did you do that? So, Reavers, wow. I, I need to introduce you to Linda Keller. She is a diehard GLer, and she has, for you, Keller Tax Services. She's been at it for over 20 years. She also prepares all types of returns for all types of professions and businesses. She's also perfected the virtual tax appointment. Here's the deal. Um, you better get ahead of this because she's going to fill up because the rest of you are going to wait to the last minute, and that's dumb. Don't do that. KellerTaxService.com. That's her website. She's trying to get clients booked early because everyone waits to the last minute. So she is going to offer all Garage Logic listeners an extra 10% off preparation fees if they book their appointment before March 1st. She's also available for evening and Saturday appointments, and Saturdays book up fast as well. So get your appointment by March 1st, and you get 10% off. She's fantastic. She's going to be doing my taxes. Oh, I didn't tell you that, Linda. Uh, yeah, you, you need to schedule time for me as well. 320-352-0013. That's her phone number. 320-352-0013. Wait, where is she? 320. That's my area. Where is she? She is up north in the Forest Lake area. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, make sure you book your appointment and tell her you heard about her here on the Garage Logic podcast. I, I think there's a great deal of truth that the DFLers are trying to cram everything they can. I think they're throwing everything they can at the wall to see what sticks. Mm -hmm. But but here's the problem: most of it's going to stick because they own both uh, chambers. No objection. <laughs> and they got a governor who will read anything you put on the teleprompter. So. We're doomed. This will. This could pass. We've There's no get, balance so, up there. We've got to get in. So, we've got to get inside that. the third rail somehow. We have to figure out a way for them to acknowledge us. Number one, start answering our calls when we call you to interview. But the regular people, the everyday people, are not being heard. Um, we both know crews that uh, work. They mow the grass in the summer, do the snow in the winter, right? Yep. My buddy up here, Johnny, he's got five mowers. He runs two crews. He has 110 accounts. And his two, between his two crews, they knock out about 20 to 26 lawns a day. Big, big, big lawns. How do you think that's going to affect his business if he has to stop every two hours and charge these things up for four, five, six, 12 hours? But ideologically, these euphorians don't care about Johnny. They don't care. They're, He's the one paying all the the taxes. They don't care. <laughs> I, They're there because of guys like Johnny paying taxes and working his ass off from 4 in the morning until 10 o'clock at night. I, you're preaching to the choir. God, you're making me people, mad. Here, I'm an optimist. I'm an optimist. This is going to be shut down. By who? This, this bill is going to go... This bill is going to raise eyebrows. It is going to open people up to... 
Are you out of your freaking mind? I'm afraid in this state it would have an audience. It didn't work with the car dealers. Right. They got shut down. I mean, we need we need guys like Johnny. We need Such's buddy. We need Toro. We need Tri-State Bot. We need everybody. And, and they they will rally as this gains more attention. It's only being heard about for the first time today. Rookie, I don't disagree with you. However, you're you're neglecting one key fact. What's that? Not enough people are paying attention. But yeah. this will this you this comes so? to the everyday every guy that and gal that are cutting their grass. And demographics are changing, Rook. More and more people are living in these box apartments with no lawn maintenance to do. I can't argue with you there. But you don't need transportation. So you told the story about the gal out in your walk mm-hmm. who wasn't able to get anything done. There's got to be a couple hundred thousand of those kind of people that have tried it and realized that it's a miserable failure and it doesn't work. Well, uh, uh, this is germane to what we're talking about. I had an email. I didn't know where I was going to slot it, but I'll slot it right here. Hail the flashlight king. Hail you. Listening to you talk about how the electric car market is speeding ahead too quickly and isn't well vetted, I continually have a thought that you seem to overlook. The fuel economy of full-size trucks and SUVs has taken leaps and bounds over the years compared to most other vehicles. There are millions of these vehicles on the road right now. My first truck was a 1996 Ford F-150. It got 12 to 14 miles per gallon on average. My second truck was a 2003 Ford F-150. It got 14 to 16 miles per gallon on average. My third truck was a 2006 Ford F-150. It got about the same 16 miles per gallon. My current truck is a 2016 Ford F... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. My third truck was a 2006 Ford F-150. It got about that same 16 miles per gallon as the 03. My current truck is a 2016 Ford F-150. It gets 20 miles per gallon on average. That is a 66% increase in size trucks and SUVs from the other manufacturers as well. This is just my own firsthand research. These are vehicles that can pull your boat, haul dry well, etc. But when they are used to drive to work, they get the kind of mileage the old Hondas used to get. My wife has the big evil Expedition Max, and it gets the same mileage, can haul eight people, our boat, and go 500 miles without stopping. Nice. Kenny should be able to confirm this with his bow tie farm truck as well. I would dare to bet the same could be discovered in our lawnmowers, snowblowers, semis, buses, delivery trucks, etc. I'm not sure what the investment costs were to create these changes in my vehicles, but I am guessing it is nothing compared to the EVs and their batteries. You would think the car manufacturers or even policymakers, Heather and Newton, could use this example and applaud these advancements, but it seems this isn't enough. I know there are a lot more F-150s out there in middle America, and the fuel savings across all of these vehicles could be calculated, but I'm not qualified for that math. I personally hope either the right or someone in the middle would see the common sense and take on this radical movement with facts, but maybe I am too naive. Good luck, Rick from Stacy. What a great point. But I've often said, what a gallon of gas can perform or accomplish is a miracle. miracle. It's a miracle. Now, along the same lines, one wind turbine, this is from the center of the American experiment, 
One wind turbine takes nine tons of copper to weight, to make. To make. Nine tons of copper to make. But we keep pulling mining leases. All right, and we have this notice. We're still on the topic of the ban on lawn equipment. Uh, The taller the wind turbine, the harder they fall. This is from Popular Mechanics. I'm old enough to remember that when I old man, my old man subscribed to Popular Mechanics, that, that was a wonderful, wonderful magazine. Did he like that, working on cars? Well, he just, he was a tinkerer. Okay. And Popular Mechanics was a great, great magazine. It was a, it was trade-sized, like a trade-sized paperback. Oh, the do, big one. Okay, The yeah. Do-It-Yourselfer's Bible. Oh, it was just neat. Yeah. You know what? I haven't heard of Popular Mechanics in years. Well. Who was Popular. Popular mechanics, the mechanics that were popular for you to pursue. <laughs> Wind turbine failures are on the uptick. Oh God! Oh, that's got to get the start. Oh, that word not a good I can't. I can't. Uh, I can't go on without. Let's this. circle back to uptick. <laughs> From Oklahoma to Sweden and Colorado to Germany, with all three of the major manufacturers admitting that the race to create bigger turbines has invited manufacturing issues. According to a report from Bloomberg, multiple turbines that are taller than 750 feet are collapsing across the world, with the tallest, 784 feet in stature, falling in Germany in September 2021. To put it in perspective, those turbines are taller than both the Space Needle in Seattle and the Washington Monument in Washington, D.C. Even smaller turbines that recently took a tumble in Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Wales, and Colorado were about the height of the Statue of Liberty. Turbines are falling falling for the three largest players in the industry, General Electric, Vestas, and Siemens Gamesa. Why? It takes time to stabilize production and quality on these new products, Larry Culp, GE CEO, said last October on an earning call, according to Bloomberg. Rapid innovation strains manufacturing and the broader supply chain. Without industry-wide data chronicling the rise and now fall of turbines, we're relying on industry experts to note the flaws in the wind farming. We're seeing these failures happening in a shorter time frame on the new turbines. Fraser McLaughlin, CEO of insurer G-Cube Underwriting, told Bloomberg, and that's quite concerning. The push to produce bigger wind-grabbing turbines has sped production of the growing apparatuses. Bloomberg reports that Siemens has endured quality control issues on a new design. Vestas has seen project delays and quality challenges. And GE has seen a, uh, an, uh, they had that word again, but I'll say, has seen an increase in warranty costs and repairs. All this comes along with uncertain supply chain issues and fluctuating material pricing. With heights stretching taller than 850 feet, blades 300 feet long, and energy generation abilities ratching up accordingly, the bigger the turbine, the more energy it can capture. But the bigger the turbine, the more they can go wrong, and the farther it falls. The harder they fall. Hmm. Quick question. How many do you want? Joe, I'm going to place an order quick. You want what? one or you want two, what? maybe to keep at home. Well, um, <clears throat> Greta Thunberg just came out with the climate book yesterday. Oh. 
Um, Can you so get autographed you, copies? Well, uh, that's what I'm wondering. I'm going to see if she'll maybe <laughs> sign one over for you, but I'm going to guess you're going to want to keep one in the garage and then probably have one in the house. Mm-hmm. It's a sign of how, uh, how <laughs> ill-informed these uh, people are that they would take the word of this possibly disturbed young woman. Right. She, she knows no more about the climate These, uh, than I do. The climate book. I don't want to be petty here, but uh, Why not? These, these windmills hurt my eyes. I'm sick of looking at I them. I don't like them either. I'm, uh, yeah, they're ugly. They're worse than cell phone towers. It, 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 I hope it's become clear, and I really tried to remain calm today. <laughs> I, 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 I hope it's become clearer <laughs> to people who aren't garage logicians that these people are coming after your life. They don't like you. Right. They don't like like the way you live. The only thing they're interested in is control. They don't like America. They don't like progress. They don't like competition. They don't like entrepreneurship. What do they like? And I defy you to, to prove me wrong. What good have these people proposed? What goodness has Heather... What the hell's her name? Heather Edelson and and Jerry Newton. What goodness have they come up with? Nothing. They're going backwards. They want to take equipment away from you that works and put equipment in your hands that doesn't. And they have no reason for this. The reason is they think that has something to do with the climate. It does not. I really want to be on Matthew's side saying that this isn't going to happen because people, everyday people, are going to rise I, up. I want to be on his side, too. I mean, how many of us as first-time home, homeowners, we all made so many mistakes that first couple years. We moved out of the apartment or got rid of roommates and bought a house. Think of all the lessons we learned. I, when, when I moved into my house, I had a, the, the previous owner left the lawnmower and it was the electric kind that you need an extension cord to plug yeah. in. Yeah. I thought, well, this will be yeah. awesome. The yard is so tiny. Uh, three extension cords later, yeah. and I kept <laughs> mowing over, I made my second mistake of buying, again, small lawn, one of these real mowers. Like, oh, this is going to be kick-ass. Uh, six months down the road, that went out to the end of the alley, and I bought a lawn boy. And didn't, you know, never, never, look never, look, never look back. <laughs> you know, that's one of the things, Kenny, that Mike shared with Joe and I when we called him is that one of the things, and he doesn't care because he says, well, I'll still sell, I, you know, they sell electric lawnmowers at Fratelloni's, whatever. But what he said was interesting because he had a, what did he call it, Joe, a bicentennial, the old red, white, and bl- blue lawnmower oh, yeah. that ran for 25 years. What people don't realize is... yeah. All of these electric lawnmowers, they're like cell phones. They're going to have yeah, to be updated every yeah. four to five years right. yep. to yep. keep up, and, and they're going to be replaced more often. They're not the old bulletproof lawn boys, are they? No. Well, let's let's look at it this way, too. Let's not forget the lesson of yesterday when we discovered in a, uh, a piece in the Wall Street Journal uh, that electrification of vehicles will not be enough for these people. Mm-hmm. What they want is you out of an automobile completely. They want you in an apartment, in a sustainable urban core, using public transportation or riding a bicycle. Why should we believe that it would be enough for the likes of Edelson, who doesn't know what she's doing, and Newton, who surprisingly enough, given his age and his experience, doesn't know what he's doing. Why sh- what evidence do we have to believe that this will be enough for them? They're part of that movement that would say, uh, ultimately, you're not going to own any kind of lawnmower. You're not because we're going to let the the grass grow naturally. You're not going to have a chainsaw 
you're not going to have us. You're not going to have anything because they don't want us to live the way we live. Uh, they they have taken a wrong turn in their own intellectual development. They've lost themselves. And because they have so many like-minded people who have lost themselves, they feel confident that they're surrounded by a, a peer group. They're surrounded by contemporaries who believe as they do. Yes. And you're all lost. You're lost. You've taken a wrong turn. You've, you need to recapture your soul. You've, you've abandoned it. You've lost it. You're you turning go, your back on this country. You want to go really dark helicopter? Yes. Yes. Why not? We're not you, already? What was the power that was granted to the governor during the pandemic that he could lay down the law? What do we call that, that power that he had? Oh, yes. yeah. uh, executive, executive privilege. Something executive like that. Executive power. How long before they decide that the climate crisis has reached such a fervor pitch that we need to grant governors ex executive power or whatever it is so he can actually force the citizens of Minnesota to well, do this. Unfortunately, force them. Unfortunately, that isn't as black as you think. You'll recall on this show uh, discussing what were called 15-minute cities, uh, cities in which everything you need is within a 15-minute walk Traffic would not be allowed in the oh, yeah. cities, yep. and uh, ultimately what it would, uh, the speculation was, to take it into a conspiratorial realm, <laughs> is that the 15-minute cities were merely a guise to bring about climate lockdowns. Yeah. yeah. Climate when start, lockdowns. When you start saying that, uh, I'm immediately thinking, even if the guy lived two blocks from Home Depot... Getting that load of two by fours and sheetrock home—that's going to be a real. That's going to be a real pisser. It's not the here. wagon, honey. No, look at the look at the bigger picture, Kenny. There won't be a Home Depot. Oh, that's dark. There won't be a Home Depot. That's a dark thought. Uh, well, on that dark thought, let's pause and return with our newsman. <laughs> All right, we can do that, Joe. But prior to that, again. We are welcoming some great people, the Minnesota Masonic Charities. They do a wonderful job. Everybody in this podcast has been touched in some way by cancer. In 1955, a group of Freemasons and Eastern Star members gathered and contemplated their role in the community. I love telling these stories about these guys. In an effort to impact the entire state of Minnesota, they asked leaders at the U of M a simple question, how can we help? What, what is the U doing? They come back and say, well, we're battling a scourge of cancer. They asked the Masons to raise half a million dollars to build a new million-dollar 80-bed cancer hospital on the University of Minnesota campus. What did they do? The Masons went out and, in short order, raised the entire mill to build that hospital. Now, with contributions exceeding $125 million, Minnesota Masonic Charities has established itself as the largest donor in the university's history. Who knew that? I sure as hell did not know that. They're a great group. Minnesota Masonic Charities is grateful for the opportunity to serve the people of Minnesota and beyond in such a meaningful way. I want you to learn more because the secret's going to be out because you're on Garage Logic now. Learn more. Go to mnmasoniccharities.org. That's mnmasoniccharities.org. Thanks, guys. Driver. What? No, wait, that's Call Prince. Me. Angel of the morning. Oh, Angel of the morning. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, a bunch of sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Suchere. Here's John. Oh, here's John Hyde. 
<laughs> Joe's just waiting for more Juice Newton talk, obviously. Uh, this uh, update is brought to you by Air Mechanical, and Air Mechanical has been serving the Twin Cities for their heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical needs since 1985, and that's not the only thing they can help you out with. They can uh, help you with drain cleaning, duct cleaning, and indoor air quality. Uh, they serve the entire metro area from general maintenance to full install. They've got you covered with furnace installs, boilers, heat pumps, garage heaters, Lots more. They employ top trained tradespeople in the state of Minnesota, and they'll operate with full integrity. They do things the right way, not the easy way. Their Total Solutions membership is like having your mechanical on retainer. You keep all your home maintenance needs in one comprehensive membership. Select one tune-up a year and enjoy benefits like discounted maintenance, repairs, service, and equipment costs. You can catch problems before they arise and keep your home's mechanicals running smoothly. We'd uh, love it if you gave Air Mechanical a shout. For any heating, cooling, and plumbing or electrical needs, call or book online at thinkami.com. That's thinkami.com. In news, let's go to sports first. This uh, this will cheer uh, well cheer me and Chris up. I don't know about anybody else. The Twins and Catchers, uh, Twins yeah. pitchers and Catchers, are reporting in spring training in Fort Myers today. Thirty third consecutive year, the Twins returned to Hammond Stadium with twenty five players on minor league deals, thirteen of which have spent time in the major leagues. The first full team workout is Monday, February twentieth. Position players are expected to arrive the day before on the 19th. The Twins' uh, schedule features 33 games, 17 at home, 16 on the road for spring training. All of the 17 home games will promote at least one special ticket offer, like the new meal deal, a pregame happy hour, or, of course, Kids' Day. Yeah, 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 big deal. <laughs> spring training. Yeah, I'd fear, I, I fear for the game. I just fear for well, the I, game. I won't disagree with you on that part, but... Did you see we made the Ghost Runner permanent? Now, explain what that is uh, to me, you the put, Ghost it's Runner. A, it goes to the 10th inning. Both teams get a runner on second to start I don't like the that. inning. Uh, and that me, continues I every can, extra inning. When you're playing kickball. You know why? Because you you're trying to make people. the game appealing to idiots. You yes. put the Ghost Runner on first. Yeah. Have you, you seen the advance until? You, you really want to get euphoria on the old grand old game. Have you seen the new bases? Yeah, they're, they're bigger. Big. Yeah. Why? To avoid injury. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Everything that Brockmeyer predicted is, is coming, coming true. true. Yep. <laughs> it really is. Won't that help base stealers? Seriously. It, it will. But it, you know what, you guys? They're going to replay the Diamond Awards, I believe, ten, uh, Friday night at 10 o'clock. Yes, Roycey has two of the greatest cheap shots at Modern Baseball, and both of them were directed at the current manager of the Twins. It was fantastic. <laughs> Make sure you record that and watch it. Well, where, where will that be telecast? Uh, Bally Sports North is replaying really? it. Really? Yeah. Huh. You hear that, Rocco? 200 innings! <laughs> <laughs> Weather news, several highways across western and northwestern Minnesota are closed as a blizzard sweeping through the state creates dangerous travel conditions. Uh, most of that was this morning. The weather clearing now. I-94 was closed between Fergus Falls and Moorhead due to whiteout conditions fueled by winds gusting as high as 50 miles an hour. There were problems on other highways, too, and still some problems out that way on highways 2, 9, and 75 near Crookston along with Highway 200 and 220 being closed. No travel had been advised. And Big Stone, Clay, Grant, Pope, Stephen, Swift, and Traverse Counties. Uh, so if you're heading west, uh, keep all that in mind. She's going to cool down here for a day or so until it warms yeah. back up for the weekend. 
How'd you like to have been in a Tim Walls electric vehicle uh, up Moorhead Way and been stranded at 8 o'clock last night? I don't think it would have made any difference what kind of vehicle. You would have been in trouble. True. Yeah, Yeah. but if you've got a gas-powered vehicle, you're sitting there with it idling. And and you can have some heat. You're staying warm. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of all that, let's talk about this story again, only because it's so absurd. I wish you would. Yeah, it's just hard to believe it's true. A bill introduced in the Minnesota House would ban the sale of new powered, uh, new gas-powered lawnmowers and other garden equipment like leaf blowers and weed whippers starting in 2025. The bill, as we said, is authored by Representative Jerry Newton, a DFLer from Coon Rapids, and Representative Heather Edelson, a DFLer from Edina. It requires all new garden equipment to be solely powered by electricity. The requirement will apply to all lawn and garden equipment powered at or below 19 kilowatts or 25 gross horsepower. (laughs) If passed, Minnesota would join California, which passed the nation's first ban on gas-powered lawnmowers slated to take effect next year, 2024. Lawmakers in New York and Illinois have considered similar laws. The push comes as DFL majorities in the legislature look to accelerate the state's transition away from fossil fuels. <laughs> Lawnmowers and other garden equipment are typically powered with two-stroke engines, which emit larger amounts of carbon monoxide. Oh, you'll be all right. A study by Edmonds in 2011 found that a consumer-grade leaf blower emits more pollutants than a full-sized, high-performance okay. pickup. Uh, oh, we oh, don't oh, know thank that. You. Okay, the, the battery-powered leaf blowers... I fart with more power than these things have. Mm-hmm. You can't even use them to clean your garage floor. They are absolute I, garbage. I, I actually have one, and I agree. I try to get leaves out of my garage, and it's I, more work. Than, it is, and yeah. I gave it to my son when he moved into his new place, and after using it for a month or so, he asked, uh, was that punishment? What What, what did I do <laughs> wrong? <laughs> How come leaves only blow into a garage? They never blow never out. Blow out. <laughs> Those are I one of life. thoughts. Murphy's it's a mystery. No, yeah. mm-hmm. I've asked that question at my house this past summer and mm-hmm. was made fun of. Continuously, so oh, that's a legitimate question. I'm not going to try and answer. Uh, Newton and Edelson, by the way, also introduced a bill requiring new ice resurfacing machines that would be Zambonis to be all electric starting in 2025. (laughs) Maybe that's what it'll take. This being the state of hockey, and virtually everybody in this state knows how to skate. Um, maybe that'll be the push that'll stop this, Matthew. Well, Rook Rook and I went to to their website zambonis yeah and uh, he saw the same thing i did i think they uh they're they're fully on board with uh, they're ready the, huh they're, they're gonna selling. do battery they're selling zambonis. all yeah. right yeah. imagine joe just imagine they shouldn't how, how have much to. would that cause the zamboni to weigh i wonder i would for sure because all they do they just put the propane tank on this back right and now it would be all that electrical this induces in me sadness i can tell I'm sad that uh, we're so poorly led, uh, and the wrong people have jumped into the political fray, and they they bring nothing to the table except their own corrupted, soulless ideology. It's just sad. It really is. It is. Yeah. Boy, nobody's arguing. <laughs> no. You're you're right. Uh, yesterday, charging documents formally filed in Ramsey County against a 16-year-old boy accused of fatally stabbing a 15-year-old last Friday at Harding High School in St. Paul. The document says police interviewed the assistant principal at Harding, who saw students arguing with another student, then saw them start fighting. 
No, Sakir Kazim Holmes and uh, Devin Scott were identified as two of the students who were involved in the fight. Multiple staff members arrived, tried to break up the fight, but once the students were separated, Holmes got off the ground holding a knife and allegedly stabbed Scott in the stomach before walking away. Security staff then grabbed Holmes and searched him where they found a bloody knife, according to court documents. Uh, meanwhile, Ramsey County Sheriff Bob Fletcher told our TV folks in Five Eyewitness News that Scott would not have died had there been trained school resource officers at Harding that day. He said when school staff tried valiantly to try to break up the fight, they couldn't do it, but he said SROs would have been better equipped to defuse right. the situation. Fletcher said there's a conflict that goes back to at least last October between these two separate groups of kids. He said there was a young man named Antoine Watson who was shot and killed on the east side of St. Paul. And the person that's in juvenile detention right now is waiting to be charged on that murder is a close associate of some of the folks involved in the Harding incident. Fletcher also said kids involved in the Harding incident could have been helped by proposed juvenile treatment homes that are now being considered by state lawmakers. He said it's a classic example of a couple of groups of kids that would benefit from some type of detention when they're younger, 14 or 15 years old, who get treatment for their chemical addiction, their mental health issues, their anxiety, and their depression. Fletcher said something else very interesting. Yes. He All said right. uh, uh, school resources officers in inside the school would mm-hmm. have known about this kid from Humboldt. They would have had their eye Good on point. him. Good point. And they would have known about his rivals, and they would have had their eyes on them. Yeah. But these, well, these frauds that we have passing for a school board and a super, they don't, they don't take this kind of thing into consideration. Did Fletch say anything about yes. this being gangs? Yeah. Well, he, he did without using the word G-A-N-G. Right. Yeah. That's a really, really valid point. The cops talk amongst each other. They go, yeah. hey, uh, we got uh, Billy Ray Johnson's coming to school. Valentine. Uh, uh, Billy Ray Valentine's going to be at Harding this morning, you guys. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. But we got people, well, we we have euphorians. That's the only word we've come up with. No, didn't Billy yeah. Ray had, uh, he lost his legs in uh, Vietnam, he right? He was in Nam, yeah. I've been all yeah, he, he was Agent Orange in Vietnam? Yeah. Watch he, yourself. He was in Dang Bang, uh, <laughs> Jang Lang, all over that place. A lot of places. <laughs> <laughs> I was Agent Orange. That's a good, that's I was, I I was Agent walk. Orange. I can walk. I can walk. I can see. It's a miracle. <laughs> such a great movie. Airborne, oh. huh? Yeah. By the time a Chinese spy balloon crossed into American airspace late last month, U.S. military and intelligence agencies had been tracking it for a week already, watching mm-hmm. as it lifted off from its home base in Hainan Island near China's south coast. U.S. monitors watched as the balloon settled into a flight path that would appear to have taken it over the U.S. territory of Guam, but somewhere along that easterly route, the craft took an unexpected northern turn, according to U.S. officials, who said that analysts are now examining the possibility that China didn't intend to penetrate the American heartland with its airborne surveillance device. The balloon floated over Alaska's Aleutian Islands, thousands of miles away from Guam, then drifted over Canada, where it encountered strong winds that appear to have pushed the balloon south into the continental U.S., a U.S. fighter jet shot the balloon down off the coast of South Carolina on February 4th, a week after it crossed over Alaska. This new account suggests that the ensuing international crisis that has ratcheted up tensions between Washington and Beijing may have been at least partly the result of a mistake. Meanwhile, the White House said that three other objects shot down over North America in the last week may have posed 
No national security threat, striking perhaps the clearest distinction yet between the balloon and the other things. John Kirby, the National Security Council's coordinator, told reporters that the U.S. intelligence community will not dismiss as a possibility that the three ca- uh, craft instead belong to a commercial organization or research entity and were benign. It doesn't matter if it's a mistake or intentional or who it belongs to. If it enters our airspace, it's got to go. Okay, here's my new take. And my take will probably change every 24 hours. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Flip-flop, let's go. If I'm uh, based on watching the History Channel, because okay. I love those alien shows, uh, if, in fact, these were extraterrestrial visitors, these three unknowns, supposedly, yeah. it's probably going to end up being Vern's RV sales in <laughs> Toronto when they, some sign got away from them. <laughs> if, in fact, these are, uh, if these are uh, uh, unknown in the classical sense of if we're to be visited, presumably we would be visited by superior technology. Well, they're not going to allow themselves to get shot down. They would, they defy okay. physics and they can do anything they want and zip, zap, zoom. So as I say, this is, uh, this is Vern's RV sales in uh, Edmonton, Alberta and, uh, some balloon got away from him and they shot it down. Forgive so. me if you mentioned this. I was listening to something in queue, John. Um, are you yeah. familiar with the quote from White House Homeland Security Advisor Liz Sherwood Randall? I'm not. I'm not either. Because I was trying to see if there was audio that accompanied it, because the quote this morning was probably in my top five favorite okay. of all time. Do you have it on audio? I don't. Yeah. I was trying to find it while John was doing this story. This is from the New York Post. Uh, talking about thousands of objects in the skies. Uh, White House Homeland Security Advisor Liz Sherwood-Randall said in a virtual briefing with governors after the U.S. military shot down three flying objects over the weekend, they are not aliens. They are probably used car lot balloons that are floating in the sky. Oh, gee, well, I wow. said Vern's Joe, RV sales. I guess we're on the yeah. same page. Same wavelength, there, yeah. Joe. Isn't that something? It's like huh. the big, you know, the big cloud oh, of the earth thing. Spot. Yeah, yeah. The oil change <laughs> place. What's, what's that? What's that say about us that we wouldn't know that? Oh, that uh, that the White House. Why are we know wasting that? a half a million dollar missile on Vern's uh, used car lot sales? Why not just hook them? Just, just go up there with a big hook. Or don't worry them. about it. They hell with them. They're I'm waiting goal. to see that green bendy man that floats yeah, all over. Yeah, that's what we were just yeah. talking yeah. about. Yeah. 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 Outside of oil change. Here's the, the bendy yeah. man. Joe, here's yeah. the muddy quote. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of unknown objects soaring in the skies, but they're likely just used car balloons or other benign crafts and not <laughs> aliens visiting Earth. Liz Sherwood-Randall said in well, a and I briefing. And I'm telling you, if it's aliens visiting Earth, they ain't going to get shot down. I don't probably, know what happened in uh, New Mexico back in the late 40s. That one, that, I suits. believe that exists, and it's in, it's in our captivity, that mm-hmm. disc. The, the problem with your theory, Joe, and it, it wasn't a problem until Reavers read the quote, is the now you are in agreement with somebody from the third rail, and we know all we get from those people are lies. Yeah. All they do is lie to us. Yeah. Well, I did. Uh, I enjoyed. We were, before the show, just so people know, we were having some audio uh, problems. So Chris was trying to fix it with me, and I'll see. Kenny and Joe talked for five minutes straight, very seriously about UFOs and <laughs> and, their, and their theories. It sounded like Art Bell was back. No, this is all. It was wonderful. This is the year. This this recent episode it may mm-hmm. not be it, but this is the year we're going to learn 
more than we've ever known. East of the Rockies, let's talk to Joe. <laughs> the way these lights, these unidentified lights move in the sky is a concern to me. That could be Musk's uh, string of satellites. Well, those are pretty easy to identify. It's just a long string, and they keep basically the general course. It's these the, foot, the footage that we have of some of these that are darting around back and forth, up and down, zigzagging. That's not the way anything in the air Oh, no, moves. man. The, the aliens, you know, they see an F-22 or whatever those planes are coming to shoot them down. They say to their pilot, here, hold my beer. And then they, yeah. they make a move that to, to make the missile look silly. Yeah. That's not a UFO. It's a sale, sale, sale. Come on right. down to Valley Car Dealers. <laughs> it's Bendy Man. <laughs> Bendy Man. All the real. What I really don't, this puzzles me and has puzzled me for since the 80s. Well, it should. Is how <laughs> Mr. Valentine thought he could make it with the gal that was going into the office. And he had no legs. He had no job. He was homeless. Yet he still thought he had a shot with this gal. What do you think of that? I think you should get to the airport. I think yeah. I'm going to the airport. Yeah. Did I just happy Valentine my third time? I think so. Okay. You were uh, doing good right up until yeah. Okay. yeah. How do you think I rang the hey, doorbell? Come on, Johnny, let's go. Ding dong. Anger boiled over today at the sentencing hearing of Buffalo mass shooter Peyton Gendron when a family member of a victim charged after Gendron had to be restrained by courtroom guards. The moment came as Barbara Massey, whose sister Catherine Massey was giving an emotional victim impact statement, said, I want to personally choke you, she told the 19-year-old Gendron. As she was speaking, a relative standing next to her lunged toward Gendron, who was seated at the defense table. Guards quickly restrained the man as they hustled Gendron from the courtroom. Judge Susan Egan temporarily halted the hearing and called for order in the court. After hearing from families of the victims, the judge imposed the mandatory sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole. She told him, there's no place for you or your ignorant, hateful, and evil ideology in society. There can be no mercy for you. She imposed a sentence of life in prison without parole for all 10 victims he killed, 25 years for each of the three victims he shot and wounded. Before he was sentenced, Gendron offered a brief apology to the victim's family, saying he was, quote, very sorry for all the pain. He said, I did a terrible thing that day. I I'm shot sorry people. if I offended you. I think the families of the 10 victims all should get one swing at the guy. I couldn't one. believe the cops. You know, wouldn't you be tempted as well? It'd be a hell of a swing, Kenny, believe me, but they all should get one swing. No, they should be able to knife them. Yeah. Or a running kick to the crotch, yeah, something. Groin, hey, groin kick this guy. You Reavers. need more than a groin just kick. One this swing. idiot. He needs more than that. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's Turn all that. we got to give right now is a groin kick. All right. That deserves this. I think every family member should be able to groin kick him. Yes. Uh, Gendron, in his apology, said, "I did a terrible thing that day. I shot people only because they were black." Well, you know what? Idiot. You're an idiot. <laughs> Oh, never mind. Go on, John. A United How about Airlines... just a non uh, a round into a non lethal portion of his body? And shoot up his arms and legs, and then you know maybe a few in the stomach, and then finally finish him off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to get I want to get medieval on his ass, uh, as they right. say. Yeah. What was that? You... Pulp Fiction. Correct. United Airlines flight took a terrifying dive plummeting to about 800 feet above the Pacific Ocean oh shortly after yeah shortly after taking off from Maui late last year according to flight data 
The drop unfolded 71 seconds after United Airlines Flight 1722 took off from uh, Kahulai. Hawaii. In Hawaii. In Hawaii, in Maui, yeah. Bound for San Francisco December 18th, according to Flight Radar, a flight tracking website. The flight data showed the plane took off at 2.49 in the afternoon, rose to an altitude of 2,200 feet, then suddenly took a dive and dropped to 775 feet Ooh. over the Pacific Ocean. Ooh. The plunge saw the plane dip at a vertical rate of almost 8,600 feet per minute, according to the oh, data. Oh, my word. The flight recovered, regained an altitude of 2350 shortly after the dive and recovery making up less than a minute based on the data. The plane had taken off as Hawaii was experiencing stormy weather with showers and thunder showers. On December 18th, Maui was under flash flood warnings, high surf and gale warnings. The flight continued on its journey, arrived in San Francisco safely at 9.03 local time. You know, if that's going to happen, don't you want it to happen at the end of the flight as opposed to the beginning? Yeah, no I don't kidding. want it to happen. Well, if it's going to, I guess. Is but what we I'm don't know to say. why. All I know is the pilots were instructed to take some additional training. So would they push the wrong? Uh, Let go of throttle? the stick, maybe. Right, right. Uh, we're steering yeah. with their knee or what something. What the hell is that? Yeah. What the hell, John? Thank you. But you're right, Chris. I would get off that plane in San Francisco, and the rest of my trip would be on the ground. Right. Let me uh, let me do one more joke. Yes, no sir. Mind. Only only because it's we talked about it when it happened. The yeah. sole winner of November's record-breaking two point zero four billion dollar power, uh, Powerball jackpot. Bastard! God, I hate him. <laughs> he is Edwin Castro. He won what is the largest ever lottery jackpot, and he opted, as I think we all would, for the lump sum payout of nine hundred ninety-seven point six million dollars. He bought the winning ticket in Altadena, California. He declined to appear at the news conference, Lottery said, but he shared a statement saying, as much as I'm shocked and ecstatic to have won the Powerball drawing, the real winner here is the California public school system. Mm. California public schools will get $156.3 million in supplemental funds <sighs> thanks to the win. The could just as well wipe his behind with it. Mm-hmm. The prize will be shared with schools based on average into that. daily attendance records. Uh, the lottery was sold at Joe's Service Center, and uh, shop owner Joe Shiahad, he gets $1 million as a bonus from selling that winning lottery ticket. Uh, he'll, uh, instead of the 30 years, Castro opted for the 997.6 in one big payment. The goals with Eckberg Lammers, the estate planners, yeah. they're simple. One, avoid court. Two, minimize taxes, and three, control your wishes. You don't want to leave your family a mess when you kick the bucket. That and dude we're that all just going won? to. That dude that just won the lotto? Yeah, he, he needs, needs Eckberg Lambert yep. to form an estate plan because you don't want the government distributing your life's work once you uh, once you leave this veil of tears. So I don't care how old you are. Get an estate plan. And uh, Eckberg Lammers has been doing it for more than 70 years. They know what they're doing. I've gotten emails from people uh, glad to have received the push to get on this. As I say, it's not just for the elderly. Uh, if you're a parent or a grandparent with young kids, you need to consider having your will prepared. So if you die, a court knows who you selected as a guardian for your kids. If you got property in your family or trying to switch it back and forth among family members, they take care of that. Snowbirds, you have a few tax issues, they take care of that. Businesses you want to uh, sell, they can figure out succession planning and commercial real estate. They do it all. It's very valuable. Don't waste time on this. It's a really a nice document to have, uh, you know, in your in your drawer. 
and then you've got big arrows in your office, and you point to the drawer and say, kids, here's the, what this you need to know. Right there in this drawer. Bring it out. Uh, it's Eckberg Lammers. I, I, I couldn't recommend this service more. Uh, talk to Eckberg Lammers about your estate planning. Call them at 651-439-2878 or visit Eckberg Lammers at EckbergLammers.com. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. We had a train derailment in Ohio. Yep. A long time ago. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> Feb 3rd. Mm-hmm. Now, this country does have a transportation secretary. Pete we, we Buttig- think. Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> he didn't address this. He waited 10 days. Okay. To address this, it's an environmental disaster. I choose to believe it is an environmental disaster because the uh, tanker cars have released vinyl chloride and other dreadful things that are giving people in the area coughs and sore throats, and people have had to leave their homes. And uh, Buttigieg hasn't been heard. Okay. Now, I don't know. Uh, again, you know, what's he supposed to do? Show up with a shovel, I guess, and start helping? I don't know. It was a northern-southern freight train hauling vinyl chloride, and other. Ha- and I'm. I guess we're going through it because all of us. We were just talking off the air. Are a little surprised that not more is being made of this. Why aren't these uh, nightly news anchors standing around East Palestine in their hazmat suits, derailing capitalism? What what's go- reviling it? I mean, what what's going on here? This is a big deal. Right. Uh, it's, uh, it's crashed September 3rd. It sent a toxic plume that burned for days in East Palatine, Ohio. That's near the border with Pennsylvania. Three days after the derailment, authorities decided to burn off the toxic gases to avoid an explosion, sending hydrogen chloride and phosgene, a toxic chemical used as a weapon in World War I. Are we Jeez. talking mustard gas? Wow. <laughs> Jeez. The surrounding areas of the derailment were evacuated, but allowed, uh, but people were allowed to return to their homes Feb 9. While the Biden administration and state officials are reassuring residents that the air and water is safe, well, then it's not. Some are sounding the alarm about the potential long-term impacts. Buttigieg failed to mention the derailment in a speech at the National Association of Counties Conference on Monday sparking a wave of backlash from both sides of the aisle. Mm. Buttigieg discussed topics like racial disparity, (laughs) transportation safety, and largely Democratic-backed infrastructure bill during the event, but he didn't tweet until later Monday evening, 10 days after the derailment, that he is concerned about the impacts of the disaster. Let me stop right there. Hold it. Let me stop right there. You got a director of public works in St. Paul, Sean Kershaw, okay. uh, who I've been in contact with by email. He's probably not a bad guy. He took the fall for this plowing BS. Yes, but he he was hired because he's part of the ideological warrior group that's all for inclusivity and and diversity. Same with Buttigieg. 
He has no transportation experience. No, no qualifications When whatsoever. was the last time this country had a transportation secretary that came out of the transportation industry? Promote <laughs> right. within. Let's go. So here's Buttigieg. He doesn't know a train from a car. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. No, they're all evil. Yeah. And uh, and so he's, uh, see, uh, U.S. Department of Transportation has been supporting the investigation Led by the National Transportation Safety Board, Buttigieg tweeted, in part, we will look to these investigation results and, based on them, used all relevant, uh, use all relevant authorities to ensure accountability and continue to support safety. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, what about the people in East Palestine? How are they supposed to live? Where are they supposed to live? Uh, commentators across Twitter, I wish we wouldn't use Twitter as a news source, Commentators across Twitter slammed the transportation secretary for prioritizing his speech over what some have compared to the nuclear Chernobyl disaster of 1986 in, the, in what I now know to be have been Ukraine. That's where Chernobyl is. Did you know that? I did not know that. I did know that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, people are being poisoned because of toxic train derailment in Ohio, and Secretary of Transportation has absolutely nothing to say about it. Uh, Megan McCain tweeted, he jokes about balloons while ignoring Easter, East Palestine, Ohio. Former Ohio State Senator Nina Turner, a Democrat, tweeted, we deserve better than this. Uh, Buttigieg was most recently slammed on both sides of the aisle. At least this guy's getting it from both sides for his response to the ongoing airline meltdown that continues to leave travel stranded and delayed in U.S. And it goes on and on and on to say, you know, Buttigieg was not really our guy here. Uh, no. He has no idea what the step hell he's up. doing. This is when you step up. Yeah. Uh, I don't think much of him uh, because I have no reason to. He hasn't accomplished anything. And here you've got a town in real, real trouble. And we're supposed to trust that the EPA is telling us it's all safe. Don't worry about it. Nope. Well, no, 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 I am worried about it. Pete checked all the boxes, and that's all they care about. Experience uh, wasn't even offered as one of the boxes. Well, he's gay, and he's married, and he and his husband have a kid. And uh, he was, Well, it's, it's not just that. It's the inclusiveness, and it's yeah, the just like Kershaw env did. environmental nonsense. We need to know that you're on board with us with this climate change garbage and all of that. You know, I mean, there are some people that probably look at the transportation secretary's role as kind of an ombudsman in the world of transportation and, and have his uh, finger on the pulse of transportation, be it you trains, think, planes, yeah. or whatever. And uh, this guy is just a nobody. He's no. just a phony bureaucrat that came along to preach diversity and inclusivity. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. All he's on. doing is spewing the company line. That's right. And, uh, well, you know, add the supply chain shortage in there. That's transportation. This guy hasn't accomplished anything. He hasn't sorted anything out. He hasn't done anything. Nor will he. And then here you have this terrible train situation in Ohio with people genuinely wondering, what's going to happen to my kids here? Do I, How far away do I got to get? What's going on? Are we Fish far are dying. Away? Is, I can find no evidence that cattle are dying. That was part of the story. But I, I, that verify thing on Carol 11, which I like, yeah. they yeah. verified the fish, but they can't verify the cattle. Mm. What about the chickens? I'm hearing chickens and turkeys yeah, and the like. I didn't get into the chickens. Um, 
Could it be? Oh, damn it. Now it's I'm, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Well, that happens. And then you saw the plumes of black smoke when they purposely oh. lit the fire. Yeah. How much air pollution did that cause? Well, you know what? Never mind that, but we got to get rid of these lawnmowers. But see, that wouldn't affect Minnesota. So we're going to cons- have our own air. Got it. Conspiracy theory. Yeah. Do you suppose it's the hatred of pipelines that has kept them silent on the train derailment? Probably, because I'd sooner have uh, I'd sooner have vinyl chloride oh. shipped underground. I'd sooner have it shipped by pipeline. I don't I don't know that that's available for that product. I don't know. I don't even know what vinyl chloride is, except it's liquid, and you don't want to breathe it. Yeah, so that probably eliminates my my theory. Yeah, no, I'm wrong. I shouldn't have said that out loud. Dang it, here comes the email. Yep, here it comes. God, this country is so far away from from the people in the cabinet having anything to do with what they're supposed to but be doing. There, to answer your question from a minute ago, there there was a clip that I did see yesterday of residents asking officials, are we safe? Do we Can we stay? Do, and, and no one had answers for these people. Yeah, the Ohio people don't appear to know what they're doing either. Well, did you see the story about... What first got my attention about this story is when the reporter got thrown out of the press conference about Thank a week you. and a half yeah. ago. Yes. And now, now they were... They, dropped all charges against him but basically it sounded at that time like they didn't want anything coming out about it which was weird they threw a reporter out yeah yeah did he, he take was, his pants off or something no no he didn't do anything according huh. and, and even when they released worse the than that he yesterday. disagreed yeah, yeah he, he exactly said, uh, why do we know yet why the cars derailed 50 cars derailed they were carrying multiple toxic chemicals Vinyl chloride is a colorless and flammable gas. It's used to make polyvinyl chloride pipes, PVC pipes, wire coatings, vehicle upholstery, and plastic kitchenware, along with other products. According to the federal government's National Cancer Institute, vinyl chloride exposure has been associated with an increased risk of liver, brain, and lung cancers, along with lymphoma and leukemia. Wow. When vinyl chloride is burned, like it was during the release, it produces chemicals such as hydrogen chloride and phosgene, according to the CDC. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency says it's monitoring levels of these chemicals along with others following the derailment. Phosgene was used extensively as a weapon during World War I, according to the CDC. Exposure to phosphine can lead to coughing, difficulty breathing, vomiting, and death. Exposure to hydrogen chloride gas can irritate skin, nose, eyes, and throat. On Feb 8, evacuations were lifted for people in the East Palestine area after air quality samples failed to show dangerous levels of chemicals. On As of Feb 12, that would have been... Sunday, right? Sunday. Sunday. Mm -hmm. The EPA had screened 291 homes in the area and did not detect vinyl chloride or hydrogen chloride in any of them. The federal agency still needs to screen 181 homes. The spill of toxic chemicals from the derailment has led to the... John, will you quit while I'm reading this? Mm Mm-hmm. 
see if you can get an answer. Why did the train derail? I, I actually have been doing that ever since you first oh, okay. asked, and okay. I see nothing yet. But uh, why? What looking. did somebody put a two by four on the tracks? What the hell happened? We were always told not to put pennies on the track. Oh yeah, my old man used to do that when he was a kid. Yeah. And the pennies would be end up the size of a garbage can cover. Yeah, they're really cool. The spilling of toxic chemicals from the derailment has led to the deaths of an estimated 3,500 fish across 12 different species. According to the DNR, none of the fish are threatened or endangered species. Well, that's comforting to know. Uh, what else? I got a big just, fact sheet going here. You can't eat from that body of water for the next 120 years. Mm-hmm. It also says the uh, toxic chemicals, which I didn't understand, are going to keep moving through the water until they get to the Mississippi, and each city along the way can close their uh, water plant thing so none gets in, and then reopen them, which to me doesn't Oh, so like, we're just yeah, sending that, it down to the Gulf then. That doesn't sound good at all. Killing fish the whole way. Uh-huh. You know, this is weird. Uh, the same people who want to tell us that we're ruining the earth and man is evil and we gotta not have a lawnmower listen to this uh fire combustion chemicals flowed the ohio river following the derailment tiffany cavillac chief of the ohio environmental protection agency surface water division confirmed during a press conference yesterday. Quote by her, The Ohio River is very large, and it's a water body that's able to dilute the pollutants pretty quickly. So so on the one hand... Hold up. If you're out there fishing, they'd arrest you for throwing a cigarette in the river. But on the other hand, following this major, major catastrophe, we're told, don't worry, Old ah. Man River there is pretty wide and deep, and she'll eat. Uh, she'll dilute these pollutants pretty quickly. Well, which is it? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Meanwhile, you can only catch five poisoned northerns. Right. So throw those. Back. If it's got four eyes, you're good to go. Cavillac described a plume of contaminants currently moving down the river at about an a mile an hour. The Ohio EPA and other state agencies are tracking the contaminant plume in real time, allowing water utility companies to close drinking water intakes and treat drinking water, according to Cavillac. She added the EPA is currently seeing very low levels of contaminants in the river. Yeah, drink up, sucker. I hope she's right. Well, I don't believe a word she's saying. Joe, the NTSB has not made this official, but they're saying uh, early reports are a mechanical issue with an axle on one of the 150 cars. Okay. It's believed to have caused the derailment of at least 50 cars. West Virginia American Water said it's enhancing its water treatment process as a precautionary measure and will install a secondary intake at the Guyandot River in case there's a need to switch to alternate water. Okay, health officials recommending bottled water for East Palestine residents. Uh, okay. Okay, uh, I, I feel for the people living in uh, East Palestine. Uh, I feel for the people living in southern Turkey. Uh, there's a lot of people in trouble right now. 
it's a bad time of the year to be in trouble. Cold and wet and people living in tents in Syria. I don't know why I've just veered off to Syria and Turkey. Oh, well, with that news, uh, have a good day, Gio. Hey! Hey! Only! <laughs> Man, I got long-winded. A little bit. Yeah. Only because they come to us. Mm-hmm. All the way from Marloth Park in Umpumalanga, South Africa, from the traveling Lymans at WorldwideWaftage.com on this day. Feb 15. In 1822, Henry B. Whipple was born in Adams, New York, as Mr. Minnesota's Whipple? first yes, Minnesota's <laughs> first Episcopalian bishop. Whipple worked tirelessly to promote his church in the state. After moving to Faribault in 1852, he built the first Episcopal cathedral in the country, as well as the Shattuck School, Seabury Divinity School, and St. Mary's Hall. He also devoted himself to working with and for the Dakota and Ojibwe, who called him Straight Tongue. After 300 Dakota had been sentenced to death for participating in the U.S.-Dakota War of 1862, Whipple interceded with President Lincoln, who then commuted most of the sentences. Oh, Whipple, it was him. Yeah, Whipple died in Faribault on September 16, 1901. Huh. Of course, we know him as having a weird, weird obsession with toilet paper. Yeah, he squeezed it all the time, didn't Yeah, he? offending the ladies Mr. Whipple. in the supermarket. On this day in 1870... 215. Reavers, do you even remember that? I vaguely do remember that. Please don't that. squeeze the Charmin. Yeah, I do vaguely remember that. How many times when you were in a supermarket did you squeeze the Charmin? Yeah, and every time I'm like, time. every time I was like, I don't get it. Yeah. It's, it's not it doing anything. It's like ordinary from, toilet it's, paper. It's, 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 yeah. it's too firm for me. I yeah. need it jiggly. Yeah. Oh, oh. On this day in 1870. <laughs> Joe, today is February 15th. A groundbreaking ceremony for the Northern Pacific Railroad line was held at Northern Pacific Junction, later called Carlton. The line to the Pacific Ocean completed on September 8, 1883, with the same spike used to begin construction in Minnesota, was wow. the first single company transcontinental line. Hmm. So there you have it. a long time it took, huh? Yeah, Sheesh. it did. It did. Thank you very much, GLers, and uh, go out and give that lawnmower of yours a, a little hug because its <laughs> time is numbered. We're going to have to say goodbye one day. Old, yeah. precious, old friend. GLers, do us a favor if you wouldn't mind. Hit the subscribe button on the Garage Logic YouTube channel because on that channel we are posting daily content for you. You can also follow us along on all of our social media channels, which is Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you haven't done so yet, join the Garage Logic Town Council because they're for just $10 a month or $100 a year, you get 24-7 access to all things Garage Logic, including archived uh, interviews and segments and best ofs and all sorts of goodies. Just find out more at garagelogic.com.